Thank you for listening to the Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Consider supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com, subscribing, and sharing this message with your friends. God bless you. The Lord, as he comes to preach the word of the Lord. Would you lift your voice to the Lord right now? Would you praise the God of this house? Would you praise the one who sets you free? Would you praise the God of 10,000 armies? Lift up his name, Jesus. We worship you, God. We bless your wonderful name, Jesus. You are wonderful, God. Amen. You may return to your seats and remain standing. It was a, um, a passing the mantle. I was about, might have been 14 or 15, and I was, I was laying right, right there. A uh, student from Urshan College, who we'll hear in a couple days, sing. He came up to me and, and prayed over me and spoke some things about my life and my future and the calling that God had on my life. And I, never, I, ne- I didn't really even understand it at the time, but it, it placed a, a fire, some kind of ember in my heart. And I stand here before you today changed by that moment. And I believe that it can happen this weekend in passing the mantle. I believe it. So if you're a, if you're a young person here this weekend, just see what the Lord will speak to you. Because I believe God is speaking to the next generation this weekend. If you have a Bible, we're going to be reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. The Apostle Paul, he says, But I do not want you to be ignorant brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. I want to preach to you tonight for a few moments. Heaven in view, and you may be seated. If you were present at a first century Christian church worship service, it, it might look a, a little bit different as far as location-wise. They didn't have wonderful buildings like, like we have today, you know, these huge church buildings. A lot of the time, they, they would meet in, in people's homes, and, and 
privacy. And the location might have looked a little bit different, but the content was mostly the same. There would be singing, teaching, preaching, encouraging words, exhortations. They would take communion together. There'd be people being baptized. There'd be supernatural gifts. There'd be tongue speaking and prayer and, and so on. And it's sort of similar to our church services today. But there is a certain prayer that was prayed by the first century church that I want to focus on tonight. And it's, it's, not, a, it's not a long prayer. It's, it's more, of, more of a phrase, kind of how as a church we, we like to say amen or praise the Lord or things like that in, in sort of a cadence. And this, this prayer that they would pray in the Aramaic, it was Maranatha. Maranatha. And this pray, prayer meant, come, Lord. Different translators translate it a couple different ways. But the essence of this prayer is, come, Lord. It was a prayer for Jesus to come back and to rapture his church. Because it wasn't very easy for the first century Christians to worship their God. They, they could face persecution at any moment. And to the rest of the world, Caesar was Lord. But their Lord was Jesus Christ. And so they said, come, Lord. The first century church had the hope of heaven in their hearts. Heaven was a reality to them. If you look at the New Testament, you cannot get away from this idea of heaven. The kingdom of God and the end of all things is talked about very frequently. So it was evident that the first century church based their lives on this idea. The idea that Jesus was coming back soon. The idea that heaven was a reality. They lived their lives with heaven in view. And in the New Testament, we get sort of glimpses of, of this heaven, of, of this idea that Jesus is, is coming back and taking us higher to, to a different place. You just get glimpses. It's just little snapshots, just little pictures of what it's going to be like. And in the, the text that I read at the beginning, Paul tells us what the rapture is going to be like. He tells the church, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those who have fallen asleep or those who have died. He says, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. And without Jesus Christ at the center of your worldview, without Jesus Christ at the center of your belief system, there is no hope. Without the idea that when you die, you're going to a better place, without that hope, there is nothing. Life is meaningless. There is no purpose. There's no reason to all of it. And many people, many would try to, to say that, that there is no God and that there is no hope and this life is it and that you are an accident. But there is hope and hope is in Jesus Christ. He is the only hope for our souls. 
And so he says, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. And then he gives a picture. He says, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now it can can kind of be, um, if we're being honest, the end times, they can kind of be a little scary, right? If you read, um, you know, the prophecies in the Old Testament and sometimes the book of Revelation, it, it can be a little scary, just being honest, just being real. But I don't think it's anything to be scared about. And I, Paul captures it perfectly. He says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. And when you start thinking about the end of all things, when you start thinking about the rapture and the church being taken away and the judgment that's going to come to the earth, it's comfort each other with these words, knowing that Jesus is not leaving us here, but he's coming back for his church. It was C.S. Lewis who said joy is the serious business of heaven. Joy is the serious business of heaven. There's a passage in Revelation 21 that every time I read it, I get immense joy. John said, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven. And the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And then the joy in God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. It's joyous. It is a hope. It is a comfort. So it is evident that this idea, this idea of heaven is a major theme throughout the Bible. And so it is up to us to accept this reality, this as reality, and to live our lives knowing that someday this earth will pass away and we will be with Jesus forever. And so I think there's, there's two responses to this idea of, of heaven. The first is to so, be so enamored with the next world that we forget about the present world. I've heard it, it said you can be so heavenly minded that you are no earthly good. And so that's, that's one approach, and I don't think that is the right approach. And the other response to this is that we are so consumed with the hope of heaven that it changes our entire look on life. Everything is different with this in mind. Our thinking, the way we feel, the way we act, everything changes when we live our lives with heaven in view. It's not that 
when you have the idea of the next world in your spirit, it's not that this world becomes less important, it becomes more important. This life becomes more important knowing about the one after this. And I, I, read, I read this quote I'm about to read from, again, C.S. Lewis a couple years ago. And I, it hasn't left my mind. It hasn't left my spirit ever since I read it. He said, read history. Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought the most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. If you read history of the great revivals of Christianity, they had an idea of the world that is to come. They had a picture that Jesus is going to descend from those clouds and he's going to sound the last trumpet. We're going to be raptured into heaven. We're going to be with Jesus. One group that had this this view of heaven was the early Pentecostals. And if you've never read about the great Azusa Street Revival in Los Angeles, California, beginning of the 20th century, it, it would be a good Google search after service tonight. But the early Pentecostals, they had this zealous view that Jesus was coming back. He could, they had the view that Jesus could come back at any moment. I read that in two years of the Azusa Street Revival, the message of Pentecost, the message of baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues, within two years it had spread to over 50 countries. Two years. They saw themselves in the story in the Bible. They saw themselves as the latter rain that was promised. They saw themselves as the move of God promised in the Bible. They saw themselves in the scripture. They saw themselves in the story. And it is when we forget the next world that we become so ineffective in this one. When we don't think about the world that is to come, that Jesus is coming back and we will be with him forever, that we become ineffective in this one. Because yes, it's possible to be so heavenly minded that you are no earthly good, but it's also be possible to be so earthly minded that you are no heavenly good. I don't want to be consumed with the things of this world because my spirit, who I am, it's caught up in Jesus. It's caught up that Jesus is coming back from my soul and that I'm going to be with him forever. Maranatha, come Lord. Maranatha, come Lord. Peter, he... He picked up this idea in his second epistle. He said, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. In which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. And the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved. What manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct? And godliness. And then he says this, and I, I read this a couple years ago, and it, again, it has not left my spirit. He said, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. One translation said, hurrying up the day 
of God. Could it be that we have some kind of role to play in hurrying and hastening the kingdom of God? Because if you remember what Jesus said in Matthew 24, he says, no man knows the hour, not even the son. What does that mean? Could it be that we have some part to play in bringing the kingdom of God here on earth? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. What is it? It's praying that God's kingdom would come here on earth. We see ourselves in the story of the Bible that we are the latter rain movement. The Holy Ghost was poured out. We have the message of Pentecost. Speaking in other tongues is the evidence of the Holy Ghost. And it is spreading to the entire world. And we are ushering in the kingdom of God. And don't misunderstand me. God is all-knowing and he is all-powerful. He will decide how the kingdom of God comes. But I believe that we have a part to play in the story. We have a part to play in the story. Maranatha, come Lord. We are the apostolic church. We are the book of Acts church. What we read in the Bible, we believe, will come to pass. It makes us so unique if you look out through other forms of Christianity, they don't, might not believe that some of the things that are in the Bible are still relevant for us today, but we are the apostolic church. We believe that what we read in the Bible will come to pass. And so if it says in the Bible that Jesus is going to come back to rapture his church, I believe it with all my heart. I will stake my reputation and who I am on the word of God that Jesus will come back. We are the book of Acts church. We are apostolic. And you cannot escape it in the word of God that Jesus is coming back and he is coming back soon for his church. If we could all stand in this place tonight, the music wants to come. If you remember what Paul said, he said, comfort one another with these words. There is an aspect of the fear of God, and it is very real, holy respect for God. But when we talk about heaven and we, we talk about the end of all things, when Jesus comes back for his church, it is a message of hope. And I wonder what it's going to be like when we get to heaven. I know there's the great saints of the Bible. I know they're all going to be there. I can see Abraham sitting there and, and people talking to him. Abraham, how did you leave your country? How did you wait all those years for the promise? Jacob, how did you wrestle with God? Elijah, how did you make it through that horrible bout of depression in your life? Jeremiah, how did you make it through preaching and no one listening to your messages? 
You might see the saints of the New Testament. You might go up to Matthew and say, Matthew, how did you leave it all and follow Jesus? Paul, how did you start all those churches? And that may all happen. But when I get there, I'm running through the crowd. I'm not stopping for anybody else. I'm going to run to the feet of Jesus, the throne of God. I'm going to throw my crown down at his feet and say, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive glory and honor and power. You see, because I have heaven in view. I live my life with Jesus in my mind that someday I'm going to be with him in heaven. This world is not my home. I am passing through my identity. My citizenship is in heaven with Jesus. If that's your prayer today, if you want to be with Jesus, if you want more, nothing more than nothing else than to be with Jesus, would you raise your hands? Would you lift your voice and say, Jesus, I want to be with you. Come, Lord Jesus, for your church, Lord God. Bring about, set up your kingdom here on earth.